once you realize we need to start drinking more water, it can get so overwhelming to try to figure out what water filter is best because we want a filter that will actually take the stuff out of our water. But I want to share with you the product that I'm using at my house to help clean out all the yuckies out of my tap water, and then it infuses it with hydrogen. So it is my hydrogen water system from Synergy Science. You can go back to the episode that Dr. Amy Horneman and I did, episode 122 with the founder of this company, where we talk about all the benefits of hydrogen. But if you want to check out this water filter or even some of their to-go filters that you can take with you when you travel or take with you to work, check it out. Click the link below. I hear it all the time. How do I get my kids to eat fruits and vegetables? How can I get them to take a multivitamin? Or even for our adults, I hate fruits and vegetables. How do I incorporate some of the great benefits of this? This is why I created the Nourish Super Greens and Super Reds. You are going to love them. They are all organic. You have organic green blend and an organic red antioxidant blend. But what else I love about this... I brought in immune support as well. So we have such amazing superfoods, all of the different mushrooms that are in there, along with digestive enzymes. And you can just mix it into your smoothie. You can mix it into some water, but it tastes good. There are no added sugars. You're going to love it. So just click the link below or go to drlisao.com and click the shop button. Hey there, Rockstar. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while, trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant, best version of you. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited about my guest here today. I have Dr. Nathan Kaiser here with me. He is a functional neurologist. He is also a chiropractor and he is also in my small town of Chelsea, Michigan. So welcome to the show. You know, it's God's country out here where everybody's trying to get to, you know? Oh my, isn't that the case? Like, I I mean, you grew up here, but the 20 years that I've been here, this is not the town I moved to 20 years ago. No, it's it's a ton. But here we are. You can see the the snow in the background. It's a beautiful day. I know my eight inches of snow or whatever we got that was supposed to be about four. I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um, In the meanwhile, I decided I wanted to bring on Dr. Kaiser today because we want to talk about chiropractic. We want to talk about neurology, we're going to deep dive into a lot of brain stuff because I think a lot of times, and I'm sure you see this chiropractors, we get pigeonholed into headaches and back pain. Yeah, we're great for that. But ultimately we are brain and spinal cord. We are nervous system doctors. And I think obviously what you do is such a specialty. Um, and we actually, it's nice how chiropractors can collaborate and we share mutual patients. And I mean, you have people that fly in from all over the world to come see you, right? I'm assuming. Yes. And so um, one of, and maybe we can deep dive into this. I want to talk about concussion. I want to talk about TBI, all these things, because I remember it was one of my first years in practice here in Chelsea when the Sidney Crosby story came out and all of a sudden Sidney Crosby was a hockey player who was basically retiring. And I don't even know his age and you'll be able to give more details, but because of the concussion, he was not able to play anymore. And then lo and behold, he ended up down at the Carrick Institute, which was at Life University at that time, correct? Mm-hmm. And he was able to get back out on the ice and skate. So I think that was the first time that so many people yeah. within the chiropractic community 
realized there was this whole other aspect of chiropractic, right? Yeah, that that was a big, big moment in kind of codifying, um, understanding where the overlap was between, you know, what people were doing in neurology, right? And yeah. then how that actually overlaid into chiropractic and what we were seeing. And that kind of really put it on center stage for people to be able to see. And with Dr. Carrick seeing Sidney Crosby, I mean, he was, you can, you can Google all this and look mm -hmm. at it in, in the press conference, but I mean, he was, he was done and went to see Dr. Carrick and spent a couple of weeks with him and was quickly, you know, he back on the ice after being gone for a year. And that was a pretty special moment, but it, it really helped people start to take a look at maybe we should be looking at brain, the nervous system, injuries to the brain. Maybe we should be looking at this slightly differently. And that's really like, that was the moment when that happened. And now you, you see trends to where um, most major hospitals, most major medical facilities have uh, a team that's, that's trying to execute a version of, of what Dr. Carrot was doing. And that's pretty special because it means we get to serve a lot more people. Um, and as you know, I mean, you see like the, the way people treat concussion now is so vastly different than it was, you know, even 10 years, 15 years, let alone 30 years ago. Right. And people know concussion. Like I was even at a seminar two weeks ago down in New Orleans and there's a medical doctor that walked in and she's like, oh, I'm post-concussion right now. Like I fell and this, and went through the story and, and, and explained it. And I was like, this is something that 20 years ago, when I started oh, practice, we never would have been hearing about this, you know? And so definitely, mm -hmm. so let's go through some of the issues. Um, like, how would you assess somebody with this and what are some of the symptoms and what are we looking at? Because even now, like with all the little league sports and everything like that, um, mm -hmm. we need to be paying attention to these things because we know it, like we've always talked about within chiropractic, everything that we're doing now is going to impact the quality of our life 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the road. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. And to speak to that point real quick, I, I just um, commented on a paper that came out just recently, just uh, in the last week or so, I think, um, where they were looking at mortality rates. So like literally, like what's your probability of dying? Um, and the mortality rate for people post-concussion is much higher than for people that don't have a head injury. Um, wow. So it's a big deal. But we're comparing people, like this study goes back to 1987 okay. and culminates in 2019. So to me, I look at that and that's this huge opportunity to say, okay, we saw what that trend did when we didn't pay attention to it. Now, if we do right things, we target therapies, we, we take care of these things, can we reverse that trend and actually see it change and normalize back down? Um, so that part's really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but you asked about like, when we think about diagnosis and management, a lot of that is, is so from a symptom perspective, yeah. most of the things that people experience from a symptom perspective come down to um, problems with their, with their vision. So blurry vision or have, even having a hard time just being in light photophobia. Sometimes people get double vision or just have a hard time with screens or with movement or just with like a lot of stuff going on in their visual world. Same thing with sounds, but then the same thing with cognition. So if they've got to take on too much thought, too much you know, school, too much at work, um, and too much might not even be very much. Then we think about from a physical perspective by increasing their activity load, by um, even doing things that are, would typically be normal can become too much. 
And then we also see that a lot of people, when you injure your head, there's usually a level of like, you know, you're accelerating really quickly and then decelerating mm -hmm. and your head rotates and all of these things that tear axons and cause inflammation, but they also tend to injure joints in the spine. And we just sprains and strains that we can't forget about. Mm -hmm. So you kind of take a look at that and it's like all of these different features that happen within the brain. And it basically the symptom profile looks like you just get overwhelmed doing anything that involves processing that particular type of information, right? So yeah. some people have more of a cognitive bias and some people have more of an autonomic bias or vision or whatever, but you just kind of take that whole milieu and then you figure out kind of what's wrong with this particular case. And that's yeah. how we dive into it a little more. It's a whole little puzzle, right? And I think of like yeah. what you guys are looking at it within the brain and here, like I'm looking you know, I just, I had a patient the other day it, taking the x-rays, right? So I'm taking upper cervical films for the audience that, that people that don't know. So we're looking at the X, Y, and Z planes of the head and neck. And I literally, this lady looked at me when I showed her how the top two bones had twisted and she looked at me, she's like, oh my gosh, I was told that I fell at two years old and I was knocked out. Like my older brother literally mm -hmm. said, your mom thought, or our mom thought I was dead. And so she's like, does that come back from that fall at two? And I was like, it very well could have been like, we don't know. There's so many accidents and injuries that we have. But as I always tell my patients, it's all these little things that we do when we're learning to walk and riding a bike that do come back to haunt us later on. So I love the fact that, um, like you're looking at it from that whole perspective. And the fact, like I said, you know, chiropractors, we're not just headaches and back pain. And you guys are really the functional neurologists. You guys are really taking chiropractic back to the roots of what we really truly started. That's, that's the way I look at it as, yeah. as we're kind of the continuation of yes. that chiropractic paradigm and in taking the reality that we know, okay, we have these joints in our spine. We have this electricity that moves through our body. If we make it like mm -hmm. as super simple as we possibly yes. can, we've got, we've got electricity that moves through the body. Mm -hmm. So it's got to get from A to B and it's got to get from B back to A. And the ability to be able to have those signals be clear and resonant and be fast and not have a bunch of static, like an old, you know, you picture like an old TV set. It's got all that, that fuzzy white static. We don't have that anymore. But um, <laughs> you, know, you can imagine when you, when you injure these or when you, when you alter that, that electrical signal, that's what you get. Mm -hmm. And then it changes the processing. So if I, if I have that, that static in my electrical signal, I, of course, I'm not going to be able to tolerate using that electrical signal as a higher rate. So right. whatever I'm supposed to feel or whatever I'm supposed to do using that signal is going to be altered. And right. so even just taking it you know, way off and thinking about it fundamentally, it's that's that continuation of that, that chiropractic principle. Yeah. And that's how I always explain it to a new patient is that the electrical system, and I always go back to the fuse box at home, right? Like if the fuse breaker to my bathroom flips, I can do whatever I want to get that hairdryer to work. Like throwing duct tape on it and opening it up and maybe performing minor surgery on it isn't necessarily going to fix the hairdryer, but sometimes I have to go and flip the fuse breaker, right? And put it back in. And so it's that simple thing of, hey, you know, and I always tell our patients like drugs and surgery have their role for when it's necessary, but let's look at the most conservative first. So you talked about the autonomic system. So let's explain to everybody exactly. Let's, let's explain what the autonomic system is. And then I sure. want to talk a little bit about POTS because I feel like yeah. however many years ago, I remember patients coming in 20 years ago and it was a newer diagnosis, mm -hmm. but I it feel was, like it's yeah. A, yeah, a very common diagnosis now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, so the first question, the autonomic system <laughs> is this is like, this is like my 
passion. So I'm going to try to like <laughs> tame it a little bit. Um, so when I think about the autonomic system is a portion of the overall nervous system. And you could say it's autonomic in the sense that like it's automatic, it's non-conscious in a lot of ways, which is cool. So we can think about that almost like it's, a, it's almost like a reflexive system that we don't have to take conscious control of. Like you can have your heart beat without thinking about it. You can have your breathing without thinking about it. Um, you can move blood through your body or, or whatever that looks like. You can sweat without thinking about sweating. But then also things that you do think about or that you do choose to do can affect those systems as well. Like our, you know, you can, you can change the way you breathe, by the way, by thinking about it. You can think about certain things that will make your heart race. You can't, you know, away you go. So POTS specifically is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It's a mouthful. But what it means is essentially that when somebody is laying down, they generally feel pretty good. But then when they stand up, the system kind of goes haywire. And what that centers around is really the idea that they aren't able to effectively pump blood into their brain anymore. And as their brain starts to lose functionality because it doesn't get any fuel, then you start to see symptoms develop based on that type of, uh, of a phenomenology. So most people feel lightheaded or they'll feel dizzy or they'll feel faint or you know, they'll feel like their muscles are really heavy, vision gets blurry, their ears start to ring. Um, and these are symptoms that come with what's called cerebral hypoperfusion, which is kind of like the cornerstone of what POTS really is. Um, but what's wild about it to me is that your autonomic system specific isn't like one, it doesn't all act in concert. You have like a portion of it that's in charge of like, let's push blood. You have other portion that's in charge of like, let's control temperature, thermoregulation. You have other parts that are in charge of like, let's make sure we are getting enough fuel, right? So I can stimulate the adrenal gland so I can activate to be able to have metabolism in my liver. Um, you know, to be able to maintain water in the kidney. So like, there's all these different pieces that can be put together, right? They can be mobilized together, but they can also be mobilized individually. And when we see autonomic syndromes, a lot of times what's kind of being missed, not pay attention to, is there's a general thought pattern that's like the, symp the sympathetic system all works in one push or the parasympathetic system all works in one push. But it doesn't really work that way. It's, it's fragmented. It's, it's functionally specific. So the same way, like when you go to move your finger, you can functionally move your finger without moving anything else if you don't want to. Even though the nerve that controls your finger is the same kind of nerve that controls your toe. But we have the ability to do them separately or at the same time, which is pretty cool. And your autonomic system is the same way. And in POTS and other autonomic problems, what we're seeing is different problems within that system can cause POTS to present in different ways, which is really tricky for people because there's not one way to solve it. You have to like pull back and figure out which one is actually the cause and then go after that thing, um, which has become very interesting, especially kind of in, in the world we're at where POTS is in the, in the, current, uh, the current zeitgeist. Yes. So let's go through some of the stuff you would, you would put a new patient through. Cause I know like you're looking at a lot of different testing, like just even being in your practice and seeing what you're yeah. doing. 
So, so from a testing perspective, we do, we do a physical, like it's a neurological exam that is, it's just, is a physical exam. The difference is <laughs> the way we're doing a physical exam, we're thinking about it from a software perspective. So um, if you think about software versus hardware, so hardware would assume like something in the machine is broken and you could see that. Whereas if there's a software problem, it means when you go to use it, it may not be functioning as well, right? So if, if your computer's broken, like that's one thing, but if it's not pulling up, you know, Safari, that's a different problem, right? And we're looking for those kinds of problems, the software problems. So we're looking for these subtle changes in different ways that people operate as a model for figuring out how to localize that in the brain. Um, so we use tools like video nice diagnography, where you know, we put infrared goggles on people, we have them move our eyes and we can capture different layers of eye movements that are correlated with different areas in the brain. We look at uh, a really kind of comprehensive autonomic lab where at the same time, we measure people's heart rate, we measure people's continuous blood pressure, we look at their respiration pattern, we measure the amount of carbon dioxide they breathe, and we measure um, with Doppler ultrasound, we measure the arteries in their brain, which is kind of like taking the blood pressure, rather than taking the blood pressure here, we're taking the blood pressure here. And that's really useful, especially in these autonomic cases and in post-concussion cases, where we actually see that one of the primary problems is that we're interrupting blood supply to the brain. So if we want to do anything that helps them to get stronger, to do rehab, to, um, to be able to increase their activity level, it has to be supported by fuel. You can imagine if like, you're like, I'm going to go, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go run a mile today, but I'm going to hold my breath the whole time. Right. right? <laughs> like you're not going to get great at running miles that way. Um, I don't think. So it's the same thing. So if I can't get fuel to my brain, any amount of exercise I do, any rehab I do, any exertion therapy I do, or even any sensory therapies I do, they're not going to meet their full potential because you simply can't run the machine hard enough to be able to challenge it to get to the next level. So we look at that first is that's kind of our hallmark is can we fuel it first? And then if we can fuel it, then we can start to add layers of challenge to that to make it stronger. So then how do you guys go about, do you adjust the neck then at that point for, to help fuel that stronger if that's not um, proper yeah. or at the, at the right levels? Yeah. So that's a, that's okay. a great question. So do, whether or not when or how we adjust is going to be differentiated by one, what's obviously what's going on in that local tissue, yeah. but also what they can tolerate from that okay. perspective. So like, this right. is where we've worked together a yeah. lot, Lisa, is that, you know, what you do with upper, upper cervical care has a very low metabolic demand, right? Because it's not a, it's not a giant force right. that's being implemented. So when, if we can do a lower metabolic demand, but still stimulate the cells, then that allows us to be able to, to have a graded increase in how much we allow them to tolerate. So in some cases we would say, I need you to go have this kind of work done. In some cases they may be super tolerant and we may be able to give them a big, you know, higher velocity type of a movement right. that has more of a, more of an input, right? Cause they can tolerate it. Um, so a lot of the adjustment style depends on how much their brain can tolerate. And we can measure that and we can actually look at before and after and we can see how, how the blood flow changes. We can see how neurons fire. We can look how function changes. 
and use that as the marker for how to con continually dose. Dose is like a weird word to use in chiropractic, right. but it's the right word mm -hmm. um, because the dose of the adjustment should match their capacity. And if right. you hit the right dose, then it allows them to be able to go quicker. And, and you've right. seen that definitely yeah. in your work. Okay, ladies, you have heard this over and over again. Before we even leave the house in the morning, we are exposed to several hundred chemicals from the shampoo that we use and the body wash to the face wash and then all of our makeup and everything else. So obviously, clean makeup is so important to me and people are always asking what I use. And I want to introduce to you Crunchy. I am absolutely loving these products. I have been using them for a while now, and I've just now decided to share it with you all on the podcast. My two favorite products are the Crunchy Power Light Eye Cream, which has been amazing results, along with the Crunchy Golden Light multi-peptide facial serum. You can check it out at C-R-U-N-C-H-I.com, crunchy.com forward slash Lisa Olszewski, which will be a lot easier to just click the link below. But if you do want to write it down, that's C-R-U-N-C-H-I.com forward slash L-I-S-A-O-L-S-Z-E-W-S-K-I. Like I said, it's easier just to click the link below. For yeah, sure. no, that's amazing. So then how about somebody like if there is a mom listening right now and she's thinking about like the falls that her kids have taken. Sure. And, you know, my biggest thing here, especially with the podcast is I don't want anybody to freak out. Like we did this yeah. once with, um, I brought on Jeffrey Smith from um, the GMO world. And it was like these people left in a panic saying, oh my God, there's nothing I can eat. <laughs> so what are some what are things that you would say for, um, for that mom to say, oh my gosh, yeah, my kids have had some falls or, or, you know, what, what they sure. can do because not everybody is going to end up as a candidate in your practice. Right? No, no. Right. So there's a couple things you can look at. Number one, you're looking for like, is there a change, physical change, emotional change, cognitive change that happens? Like, you know, is their balance worse? Are they doing weird things at school? Are they not getting good grades? Are they more explosive emotionally? Like those are the big signs that we're looking for. Yeah. But in the meantime, things that we can do to help, uh, to help kids be resilient against that, number one is we have to keep them moving. Yeah. Wide varieties of movement, lots of activities, sports, music, anything that keeps kids moving, breathing, experiencing just a, a, you know, an active lifestyle. Like that's number one, number one. A lot of things can be resolved just by running this machine over and over again. Yes. And then number two, if you're, if you have children that, especially that play sports, um, one of the things that you can look at really early is making sure. So there's a study from West Virginia and they looked at, they just measured, they just broke it down to the simple stuff. They were like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to measure the circumference of these kids' necks, right? When you see how thick their neck is, it's a very like West Virginia thing to do. No <laughs> offense to my West Virginia friends. Um, but like, we're just going to see how thick their neck is. And what they found was that they were less, kids were less likely to have concussive symptoms if they had more of a neck circumference, right? So just having a stronger neck means that you're less likely to have this thing go off the rails and whip around and smack into something. Um, so that's like a great place to start. Here we have kids that play hockey, kids mm. that play football, kids that play soccer. It does benefit to have a stronger neck 
as a way to prevent concussion. So that's a simple one to start with. And I would almost, I'm wondering if I'm assuming actually, if they still have the proper cervical curve in their neck, sure. there's got to, I mean, you think of all of the kids that we see now, like I think of it, everybody, every single person that walks into my practice now has like C5, C6, C7, T1, T2 misalignments or subluxations because of the cell phone. And that's where, again, 20 years ago, the iPhone wasn't around. And I actually had somebody that said, well, what does the iPhone have to do with your neck? And I was like, it's not just the iPhone, it's all of the cell phones. It is all of the technology that we're all, you know, hunching forward. And then especially I see like the teenagers now have got like these secondary misalignments in their mid thoracic spine, which I'm like, oh my gosh. So I would think, especially limiting some of the screen time with our kids, or if, if they are on the screen times, getting those phones up. So that way we're keeping the cervical curve in there. Yeah, I mean, position matters a lot, but overall, someone that's got even just a more integrated system, right? Yeah. So they have a stronger system is going to do better. So yeah. You're probably finding that people that have, you know, good control of their neck, strong neck, mm -hmm. good vestibulo-ocular systems and all the things that go with that, that I get interested in, but they can tolerate more time like this. Yeah. But if you don't have that to start with, your tolerance of spending so all of your time with your chin on your chest is way less. So you end up getting strong at a position that is a maladaptive position right. rather than hedging everything toward being strong in a corrective position mm -hmm. and then spending some time outside of that range. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're always in one range and you're never over there, you know, we all know how that goes. So, so true. And I'm going to say like you, you practice what you preach. Cause I've seen your little kids running around, like they're out there playing oh. and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I so. think one, one way you can incentivize that for kids is to make, you know, technology a reward mm -hmm. where we reward their activity. We reward, you know, higher levels of activity with those things sometimes, um, rather than being the default mode to be here, the default yeah. modes up and running around. And then once in a while, you know, we can also explore that movement as well. Cause, um, it's also hard because we're not going to get away from it. No technologies it's here. We're doing it yeah. now. It's there's beautiful things about it. Um, but there's a balance that's really useful, especially in kids. Yeah. And especially yeah. I um, spoke with August Bryce yesterday from tech wellness. And so she was just talking about the EMF that is coming off. Cause that's the one thing that I'll see, especially in the practice where people just throw the cell phone at their two-year-old just to keep them quiet. And then it's sitting sure. on their lap. And I mean, that's, you know, that's a whole nother, whole other episode, but it's what we can minimize because like you said, it's part of our life. It is unfortunately, unless we are out in the middle of nowhere, we're going sure. to be exposed to all of this stuff. All right. Which is an so, option you could take. Yeah. But, but. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, we tend to operate from like, can we, is there a way to just become more resilient to this life that we're in okay. and then, you know, be able to enjoy it for all the pieces. Awesome. Anything else you want to share with our audience? This has been great. Yeah. It's fun to talk. I don't get to speak yeah. with you enough. I know. Right. So <laughs> tell them your website, if they want to reach out to you. And I know you've got a huge Instagram following too, to be able to like find your information. I have to, yeah, maybe I'm, like, I'm going to share this because I know she's probably listening. We have a mutual patient and that's what she, this is how the whole, um, conversation started was that she's like, you need to reach out to Dr. Kaiser because he's got somebody working on his Instagram and I know he's not doing it. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm actually, so I, was, I spent so long not doing any of that, but I find <laughs> it to be such a, like a, it's like in my wheelhouse of a way to communicate. So it's the one I'll do. Um, but yeah, I like it. Cause I like, um, I don't know. I like, I like giving people just a little bit of knowledge that helps them like 
change their world, which is pretty cool. And it's such a like great medium to do it. So my name is, is Doc, then Kaiser, my last name, which is K-E-I-S-E-R. Um, and that's where I go. And I post stuff on there most days and maybe learn something from it. I don't know. We'll yeah. See. And it's great. And like we had said this morning, we were texting back and forth that it's been, it's an interesting environment to be practicing in right now, because yeah. I feel like we're seeing a lot of things. And I'm talking to a lot of doctors that we're all um, seeing a lot of different things that we never thought we were going to see. And so it's nice to be yeah. able to collaborate with other, other chiropractors, other medical doctors, everybody like, and we're all just kind of looking at this together and, and figuring out how best to help our patients, which is really what we're here for, right. To make sure that yeah. our patients are doing the best that they can. Yeah, that's one of the things. So I'm I'm like a tertiary provider. Like I get mostly people say, you should probably go see him. Yeah. Um, and what I've kind of learned in that path is that like doctors that are really good doctors, um, they will say, like, yeah, go find that, go mm -hmm. seek out help. Like they're not afraid to like push you to someone to help. Um, so you can almost use that as a little bit of a barometer where if there's yes there's a resistance to you like trying something new, then that usually comes from a place of like kind of an insecurity. Yeah. Um, so even as a patient or as a doctor, you, you know, you, you can kind of measure out like, um, you know, how confident someone is in what they're doing is by how willing they are to yeah. be like, oh, I don't know that. Let me send you to this person. Yeah. And I love that you said that because I feel like we see it, um, I see it a lot. How about that? I'm going to put it that way where, um, all of a sudden my patients come in and they're like, you know, I have to quit care. I'm, I'm going to X, Y, and Z right now. And they told me I can't see the chiropractor while I'm doing this. And I'm like, but, but what happened with like you getting better? <laughs> like, what, what happened with here's the patient. So it's just, it's interesting. I've always, um, I've always contemplated saying, well, I think they're practicing chiropractic without a license right now. If they're telling you to discontinue something, but you know, mm, I'm not going yeah. to Right. I didn't thought about it that way, but that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, uh, you know, going through the history of chiropractic where we were slammed with uh, practicing medicine without a license for many years, um, you know, until yeah. our, each of our states became licensed, but yeah. all right. So dot Kaiser on Instagram website yep. is Dr. Is, is, yeah. Dr. Kaiser. Very creative over here. I don't know <laughs> if you up on that. Um, yeah. And those are the main ones. I, you can find me on other stuff too, but like, that's where most of the time spent. I awesome. See awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, awesome. Talk. Did you like that episode? I absolutely love having the opportunity to interview some of the best and brightest guests and to share them with all of you. So if I may ask you a huge favor, I would love it if you went on over to Apple Podcast and gave us a review. I personally read each and every one of them as they come in and I am always inspired by your feedback. So I would be so appreciative if you did that. And here is the legalese. All content provided by Dr. Lisa Olszewski and her guests in her programs, including this podcast, her website, summits, and other platforms is for educational and informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider before you make any changes to your health routine, especially related to this content. Ask your physician questions about medical conditions. No statement has been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products mentioned or discussed in these programs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If 
you've ever suffered with a urinary tract infection or a UTI, also known as a bladder infection, you know they're not fun. I want to introduce to you my Dr. Lisa O's Nourish UT. It's one of my flagship products that we've introduced, and the reviews and the feedback that we're getting is absolutely spectacular. It is a powerful supplement that helps support and maintain urinary tract health. I've blended together a blend of D-mannose, of cranberry juice powder, hibiscus flower extract, and dandelion herb extract. They all work together to promote urinary tract health and balance. So D-mannose, it's a simple sugar that is metabolized differently than other sugars, so it doesn't interfere with blood sugar levels. It's also known for its ability to help the body flush out harmful bacteria and toxins. Cranberry juice powder is rich in antioxidants and has been shown to help reduce the risk of UTIs. Hibiscus flower extract has been traditionally used to support digestive health, and it's also known for its diuretic properties. Dandelion herb extract is a well-known detoxifying agent that helps promote urinary tract health. You can find it over at drlisao.com and then click the shop button. Nourish UT by Dr. Lisa O. If you want more information and a deep dive into it, go back to episode 113, where we talk about all the studies that show the benefits of using these individual supplements. So putting it all together is such an amazing blend. I want to introduce you to my newest product, Balance Tea, in my Nourish Balance Thrive line. What is Balance Tea? This is balancing out testosterone. It might just be the supplement that you've been missing in your entire routine. Ladies, I don't want you to freak out thinking this is only for men. This is also for you. We need testosterone in the right amounts to promote lean, sexy muscle. So if you are realizing you're doing your workouts, you're not really gaining muscle mass, you can't figure out what's going on, you might want this product. So I absolutely love it. I noticed a huge change in my workouts immediately after I started testing it out. So check it out. Grab a bottle for you. Grab a bottle for your hubby. You're going to love it. Click the link below. Otherwise, drlisao.com and then click on the shop button.